When you work in educational leadership, you don't get off at five o'clock. Your mind is always on the clock, thinking of ways to solve problems for your students, parents, and teachers. On the Clock is your go-to podcast to learn valuable insights from education leaders across the United States. I'm your host, Todd Dallas-Lamb, former White House appointee to the U.S. Department of Education, and we are now On the Clock. Welcome back to On the Clock. This week, I am filming live. I'm doing my interviews live. Uh, We are at ERDI, Education Research Development Institute. They meet every six months uh, and have been doing so for about 40 years. My guest today is an old friend, Jennifer Ferrari. Jen Ferrari, CEO of ERDI. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I got to tell you, I am... I hated conferences for a good portion of my life, and I'll tell you why. I, I, when I was 26 years old, I was trying to become a sports talk show host. And to make that work, I had to go get another job, and I worked in, of all places, the pool and spa industry. <laughs> and they invited me to go with them to New Orleans for the annual pool and spa industry showcase, which had a general session, a breakout session, and lots and lots of booths. And I noticed as I kept progressing in my life, I would go to another industry, the legal industry this time, and I would go to a conference, the National Legal Tech Conference, and it had breakout sessions, general sessions, and booths. And I made an observation that the booths were really a resume swap for the people that were in the booths (laughs) to move from job to job, and I felt like nothing really got done. So, if you would be, if you told me in 2000 that one, at some point in my career, I would be coming to a conference every six months for five or six days at a time, your conference. I would have laughed them off the face of the earth. <laughs> uh, your conference is different. Talk a little bit about what makes ERDI different than those booth-based conferences. Um, I would say that our primary differentiator is that we are truly a relationship-based organization. So we invest in people and that we do everything that we can to cultivate deep relationships from both the solution provider side as well as from the education leader side. And while we are certainly not functioning like a traditional conference. We have elements that are the most important parts of conferences. So um, great learning takes place, amazing dialogue, and just discourse around hot topics. What was the, the foundation of this conference? What, what got it started? So I never had the pleasure of meeting Mike Neal. Um, Mike Neal was a very well-known superintendent in our country. Uh, he had a booming, resonant, baritone voice, and he could command a room, and he would say, superintendents have the most important job in the United States. And he felt like, as superintendents, as a collective, that they had a collective power to truly influence and shape American public education and realized pretty quickly that we needed to do that alongside solution providers. And so often, solution providers are designing in one lane and educators are in a different lane, and there's very rarely intersection. And so his theory of action was, if we can just get in a room and talk and ruminate on big issues, that we would find solutions for our kids. And so that's it. A couple of highlights about the conference for me, it's built around that interaction. So that interaction takes a couple of different forms. A company that wants to come here, and we're going to talk a little bit about the the change that I've seen in companies that, that are attending over the last 18 years that I've been coming. But they get to come here and actually hang out with superintendents in 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 informal settings. They also have a, f- a more formal moment where they have two hours to have a panel of five superintendents, and basically it's a blank canvas. They can do with it anything they want. And you have it in a, 
an, an unusual, another unusual aspect of the conference is there's two of them back to back. Talk about ERDI 1 and ERDI 2 and how they are basically six straight days of two conferences. Right. That is definitely by design. That is because we aim to create an intimate setting, um, almost boutique-like, so that you really have an opportunity to get to know all the people in our membership. So in essence, you can ultimately meet upwards of 30 to 50 people in the course of a three-day span when it's such a small group. We do limit the number of people that can come um, from the company side, and we really try to have a balanced equation. If you're a superintendent, how, how do you get, get your superintendents or, or the team members from a superintendent that do come? How do you choose them? I'm, I'm always humbled. They are nominated by their peers. Yep. So in order to be a member of ERDI, you can't just sign up or you know apply. You have to be personally nominated, and the reason for that is because we're always looking for the cutting edge superintendents, those that are kind of running out in front, the, the bellwethers for change, if you will. And the best way to collect that kind of person is to have them come from within. By no means are we exclusive because we have representation from every state across the country practically. Um, we do have diversity of thought, but we always know that the thing that binds us together is a forward thinking. Well, it's another example of the difference that I talked about with regards to the classic booth-based conference. One of my other problems with those mm -hmm is you can walk around for hours and not recognize who's a superintendent, who works for a district versus who's one of the thousands of vendors are there. Here you can easily identify who is an, uh, an education leader uh, versus who are you know who are the folks here who want to learn from those leaders. Right. I would say, too, that um, we're excited to have a, a variety of different kinds of leaders. We used to be just superintendents right. back in the old days, which was great. And it was a bit of a happy accident, actually. Um, we had a couple people that were substituted in. That has just created such a rich dialogue. And we really spend time getting to know not only our solution providers really well and what they're looking for, but we really get to know our ed leaders and their areas of expertise. And so when we create those R&D panels, they're hand curated by our team so that there's a matching of talent with, with what the companies are needing from us. You made another change when you took over, and that was with regards to honorariums. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. Right when I came in, well, I think I have to go back and share that. Um, I came to ERDI as an education leader myself. So right. starting in 2013, I was part of ERDI when I was an assistant superintendent in the North Shore of Chicago. And um, I always felt a little uncomfortable about the honorarium, frankly, because in this day and age in particular, we have to really remove any barriers or even a whisper of impropriety around an honorarium. Anything that looks like, smells like, or, or feels like quid pro quo needs to be eliminated from the model. And so right out of the gates, which wasn't necessarily well received by all, yeah. uh, we eliminated that honorarium. And there was, it made the newspapers, it, you, there was a few incidents with, as I recall, some superintendents not reporting it back to their home district and got in trouble. And then I think that led to some newspaper articles, didn't it? Yeah. And those were, those were always honest mistakes. I mean, this yeah. was not a, a major honorarium by any means. This was more a gesture of gratitude for time and energy. Um, most superintendents have consulting in their contracts and it's perfectly legitimate. But if you forget to, you know, submit that, or if you forget to claim that, it can come back and bite you. And uh, those were some unfortunate circumstances that we learned from and we adjusted pretty quickly. When I was attending that seven, eight years ago, and if you'd have told me that there's going to be some changes and instead of just superintendents, it's going to be uh, chief academic officers blended with superintendents, blended with technology directors, I would have probably given some pause to that idea because I, I, I got really stuck in the mode of knowing superintendents. But you made the change, I think, through COVID to start bringing in members 
uh, of districts who have different roles. And I think it's been well received by the companies that come here. I know I know it has. Yes, I especially having served in the assistant superintendent seat, I always felt that had I had the opportunity to have one of these dialogues with my superintendent or with a superintendent, we might be able to strengthen each other's perspective about a particular issue. And so this almost happy accident, because it did happen during COVID, right. um, ended up being a very rich addition to this, this cohort. And the other side benefit or the upside was that in this day and age when we are having such pipeline problems with leaders and budding leaders, this is creating a very natural mentoring right. and kind of pass through for assistant superintendents to see some of the greatest superintendents in the ways that they speak and carry themselves and, and message. And so this is a great modeling opportunity as well. I, I think that the, 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 the education leaders that come here, they, they, they come here for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I think they like reconnecting with people that in some cases they've been here coming and meeting them every six months for sure. dozens of years. Uh, they definitely uh, love the idea of being around innovation. You, 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 you draw a lot of companies that are on the cutting edge of innovation. And I think for them, it's a lot of professional development uh, as well, isn't it? Absolutely. I would say when I was participating in ERDI, it was my best PD. Mm -hmm. And if you were to talk to our members, I think you'd hear the same. And not only are you seeing what's on the cutting edge of design and hearing from the big research houses and some of the efficacy studies that companies provide, you're also learning from your national peers. Yep. So you, one, don't feel so lonely in the seat, but you're also charged up and inspired by some of the creative thinking that's happening in different parts of the country. So whenever I left ERDI, I always felt like I went to the future for a couple of days yeah. and came back just a little wiser and a little better position to lead my district. It's also a cool way to get, a, a in three days, a cross-section of American education issues state to state. So you have you have uh, Brockton, Massachusetts, and you have Beaverton, Oregon, right? And and everybody, you know, we have 50 states all doing it differently. And to be able to compare notes about what similar challenges they're facing versus the different nuances of, of American education in every little corner, I think it's a real opportunity to get, to get that snapshot. Absolutely. I'd say it also is empathize, empathy building for a lot of our leaders to right. understand the challenges that different people are finding in their states. And then you also have this problem-solving vehicle so that you can run very vulnerably um, ideas past your peers so that you walk away better equipped. I, I You know, there's a lot of negative on education. We, we spoke with Steve Joel earlier, and there's there's you mentioned uh, superintendents leaving in record numbers, and teachers are... Uh, you know, harder to come by than ever, and learning loss took place in the last several years. One of the things that I come away inspired by at the conference is I, we, we get in touch with a lot of young entrepreneurs who have big ideas. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what, I know that this country does a lot of things wrong, but w when it comes to producing uh, entrepreneurial spirit, you can really feel it in this building, can't you? You absolutely can. And some of the most inspired thinking comes from our youngest scrappiest companies, these little startups. Yep. Um, I've interviewed a company not too long ago where the gentleman that's founding the company was literally taking a call, the interview call that we put our solution providers through um, with a baseball cap on from his room in Harvard. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. you know that they're thinking about social impact, they're thinking about the world and the ways that they can make it better. And there's a contagious um, energy that I think actually inspires up to even some of our legacy companies. I've I've brought some companies to ERDI, and I swear to God, I felt like Bob Dole. I was so much older than <laughs> than some of these young people, and they're wearing their T-shirts with their lowercase name of their company on there. And I, I even tried to coach them out of that. And then I realized that superintendents just care about quality. They care about somebody that knows things and how to fix problems. And these entrepreneurs, 
they actually wake up in the morning and they go, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way to do this. And the cool thing about education and entrepreneurs, in my judgment, is that everybody has a little bit of experience with education. Everybody went to school. I represented a company that in, uh, from a kid that invented a grade book when he was in high school and it, it, it became viral. He came to ERDI to learn how to make it something more than a grade book and eventually you know, went on to sell that, that company to a much bigger publishing company. It's like the dream come true of every entrepreneur. You see it in so many of these young people that are producing these, these businesses now. Yeah, and that's the magic of, of the panel. Um, it's really a focus group. We yeah. always say to the companies, we coach them to think of these superintendents and assistant superintendents as an extension of their team. Yeah. And so the, the more vulnerable and real they can be about the problems that they're facing, our superintendents are very eager to coach them. This is not a transaction. This is not a, a disguised pitch, a two-hour kind of opportunity to do a demo. This is These are companies coming with their biggest struggles and asking yeah. for true guidance. And again, superintendents are educators at heart and it's part of their DNA. So they're always educating and teaching. And I think it's a great opportunity to, to get voices from the field into the work. Where's the next conference in six months? The next conference in six months is in Tucson, Arizona. I managed one conference in my life uh, in Milwaukee for the U.S. Department of Education, a charter school conference. And I know firsthand that, that they're trying to find a location is not as easy as you might think. Because in, in, in six months, there might be only a handful of places around the country that, that might be available to you. How do you go about selecting? Sure. Well, first and foremost, the way that we design our conference, which is, again, intimate by design, we have certain physical constraints. We have to be able to have, you know, upwards of 10 panel rooms. So that's mm -hmm. the first, you know, cut. Yep. Then you have to make sure that you're thinking about um, the expensive uh, kind of characteristics of a city. How, how, how affordable are they? Um, some obviously cities are more expensive than others. And then the third criteria is because we're a national institute, we have to be really sensitive to airports. And are we close to a hub? Are we yep. asking people to take multiple flights? That's that's always a non-starter. So yep. we're typically bound to some of the more busy cities in the United States. One thing I noticed uh, regarding the changes you've made is that you really put a good, you put your back into the R of ERDI, the research component. Talk about your thinking about why you did that. Uh, I'm noticing a lot more opportunities to learn uh, aside from the panels. Sure. Well, again, being from the, the education space and having been an assistant superintendent, I think through those problems first. And so we have I, generated a list of problems of practice that comes directly from our education leaders. So for instance, in this particular conference, um, closing the achievement gap, um, students' mental health and well-being are at the very top of concern, school safety. Yep. And so when you can validate those big issues and reveal those to our solution providers, the conversations are very tight and very tuned. And so there is a lot of deep learning that goes on in areas of great need. Jen Ferrari, thank you so much for being on the clock. I really appreciate it. I know you're going to have incredible success as you go forward with the conference and uh, have a great rest of your week. And I, as we were talking before we started taping, I know you're ex excited to go home and see your son. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for being such a good friend to ERDI. You are welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. On the Clock is part of the Stratagos Podcast Network. To view the entire lineup of shows, please visit us at strategosgroup.com. See you next time.